0: Like so many serious things in life, it started out as a joke, and now here I was, up before the beak, justifying my right to be officially recognised as Bufo Bufo, member of the family Bufonidae, affiliate of the class Amphibia, or, to use the common parlance of our times, a common toad. All rise. All this was the stuff of TV courtroom drama, and I kept getting a wicked sense of deja vu as it played out in front of me in real time. My own lines were supposed to be scripted, but I mostly deviated from those carefully rehearsed with my counsel, and the ad libbed responses that ensued all bore something of the circumbendibus about them, which no BBC scriptwriter or editor would have tolerated. Thus, very similar to Dies on the cutting room floor. Now, HBO, on the other hand, would have loved my longueurs. But I digress. Oh, what a scene as I stood in the dock. Before me, on his perch, sat the beak all wigged up like some pantomime dame playing girly girl for laughs. Then the plaintiff's barrister, with his mouth full of cut glass plums and his dab hand withering glances. Beside him sat the plaintiff. My ex wife, her outraged eyebrows forever making a dash for the ceiling. Then there was my barrister. A pound land remained a bins worth of merit, but fuck was she cheap? I needed cheap. Leering down above us all in the gallery, motley assembled journos, walked in off the street haters, and other assorted gossip mongers. They were all so many digital junkies on the land. Toby Gulch, the charges laid against you by the plaintiff are as follows, that you did willfully cause Miss Bute, formerly Mrs. Gulch, to suffer psychological trauma by your unremitting insistence that you have transcended your species and become a common toad. How do you plead? Not guilty, Your Honour. I had intended to represent myself as a toad, Indeed, I was dressed for the part, and my council questioned the need for human speech at all. Croak, yes, by all means. Linguistic intercourse, nay. I nay said. I was worried, I protested, about being misrepresented. One toad's croak is another person's cracked pot, and this was a serious business. At least, it was now. In my case, I was undoubtedly an anthropomorphic toad, I opined. Mr. Toad from The Wind in the Willows was my model. I stood on two legs. This standing on two legs could not be gainsaid by the opposition, as I would be doing so in court, I said. They demurred. I would, however, appear in the costume I had lately had custom made, and which was now like a second skin to me. It took a warts-and-all approach to representing my toadness, which is not to be confused with the insults toady or toadiness, slurs on the good name of toads, wherever they may loiter under rocks. Did I not mean conflated with? asked my counsel. I would have undoubtedly said conflated with, if I knew what it meant, I said. This settled the matter. My poundland lawyer summarised my predicament in terms which suggested I had vastly underestimated her competence, This court must decide today whether the defendant, Toby Gulch, has undergone an involuntary species transition, which is the accidental corollary of a joke, and has thus fundamentally transitioned from human to amphibian, or more precisely, to have become, in the eyes of the law, in all essentials pertaining to such, a common toad? Ergo, the question is, as to whether he really is a toad, and is to be recognised as the first trans-species citizen of the United Kingdom, and accorded all due rights of said citizenship, thus exonerating him from the accusations of willful psychological trauma? Put like that, it did seem quite the big deal the squealing press had made it out to be. And how exactly will this official title, Beethy, the buffer or common toad, change your existence? Asked the Beak. Take you, your honour, your wig, your robes, your gavel, your title, and even this very your honouring of your honour. Are not all these appurtenances necessary to confer on you a certain authority, without which you could not hold court? It was against all my counsel's advice to bring the Beak directly into the matter, and yet I could not but believe this to be, at the time, a truly sublime stroke of genius. The Beak seemed startled and mumbled something which may have been, What the deuce? I had not seen the court's transcription, but which, to me, sounded very much like, Ye gods, what fresh perspicuity is this? I was called upon to give a statement outlining the rudiments of my case in layman's terms if need be initially your honor it was a protest yes a humble protest nothing more i'd gotten to feeling that nowadays everything was getting to be upside down or so one didn't know which way round things were every day a new article appeared claiming that Yes was now no, or that up was down, black was white, and that men were in fact women, or vice versa. It was a world shorn of the comforting concrete abstractions that I had known in my childhood, a water world obsessed with fluidity of all names and labels. It was a world that had become impossible for the white, working-class male to navigate, a mere excuse me miss, could unleash a tsunami of hate from multiple streams, as could the use of tsunami. In fact, it seemed to me that no word was safe from being willfully misconstrued. This was the nature of a discussion I was having down the Fay gastropub one Friday night in the summer of 2019. There was myself, my then wife Minervois, her dimwit parents had confused the wine for the owl, and a triumvirate of her besties, Clemency, Hippolyta, and Quentin. They were drinking indecently, Jaffa cake G&Ts and other monstrosities of that ilk, whilst I and myself struck to increasingly obscure stouts. We were three drinks into the night, and suddenly Quentin pipes up, Orchid has decided that they self-identify as a man, which I'm totes cool about, yah? I'm sorry, I said. Ah, here we go, snorted Quentin. Now, as you will have been able to ascertain from their nomenclatures, Your Honour, I was the aberration in this painfully middle-class milieu. Flat white drinkers whose liberal values were as broad as they were diffuse. My crude presence in their rarefied midst was due to the biological fact that I possess what is known in the slang as a chode penis wider than it is long a drunken conjugation one night in 2016 betwixt myself and minivoire on a bench in a local park had revealed this physiological blessing to her and caused her to pledge her undying love for me we were married within a month much to the chagrin of friends and family on her side that chagrin continues to bear its teeth and was doing so now in quentin's temerity to snort out there eh, here we go All eyes of the waitrose wolves were now turned most indignantly on me. I replied, a militant feminist suddenly decides she's actually a man at what, 33? Clemency chimed in Quentin's favour. Why not? She's obviously felt this way her entire life. But clearly, some remain unable to fathom such sort of deeply repressed agonies. Despite the well aimed kick at the shins from Minnevois, I pressed on. You have to admit, though, that it is a tad curious how this What is it? Deeply repressed agony didn't stop her getting married and having two kids. It was Hippolyta's turn in the chorus of disapproval. God, how do you put up with such a Neanderthal? Where's his empathy? Because it's so utterly contrived, Hippo, as any clot can see, though apparently not. So let me explain it. There are two possible reasons at play. Either she's seen the light, that is, that men will continue to rule the world and thinks, fuck it, if you can't beat them, join them. Or she's still the same militant feminist Hal Brent on bringing down the patriarchy, only this time it's going to be an inside job. Good Lord, the knuckle dragging knows no bounds! As you can see, Hippolyta's discourse was tiresomely thematic, Your Honour. Clemency hopped aboard the abuse train with, "'He's so transphobic!' And Quentin, whose interest in Hippolyta's naughty bits knew no bounds, rushed to her defence, despite the fact she hadn't yet been attacked. "'Nutch, hips, People of his ilk are always such ignorant brutes!' "'Fine,' I said, exasperated and outnumbered, and more irked by the people of his ilk than the Neanderthal motive. Since we can all self-identify as whatever we want, whenever we want, let the record state that I now self-identify as a, a a, common toad, with far more emphasis on common than toad. Of course, it was the latter which resounded the most. In any case, this did momentarily stymie the onslaught. Momentarily. Might I interrupt this fascinating moment "'What's toad there?' "'croaked the beak, his gravelly voice recalling the sussaroos of a shingle-beach. "'Why indeed, Your Honour, I have asked myself this very question. "'I had never even seen a toad in the wild, "'let alone shown any predilection for the species. "'Of course I had encountered literary toads, "'the wind in the willows being the most famous. "'Was I here reproducing his recklessness in this instance?' in the very act of self-identifying as a toad, having been unconsciously shaped by his anarchic ideology in childhood. or was it simple word association. Toby is almost a homonym of toady, Gulch carries a toad-like erectation, and chode fully rhymes with toad. Perhaps it was no one reason, but a compound amalgam of all of these and other furtive associations and implications. In a way, First causes little matter now. What mattered was that, to all intents and purposes, in an almost throwaway line, I had chained myself to the cross of Toad. And what a heavy burden it would become. Of course, ridicule followed. I had backed myself into a corner, and the only way out was to back myself to the hind limb, which I proceeded to do. A textbook display of empathy from Hippo, ignorance from Quentin, and amphibiphobia from Clemmy. Wonderful stuff. Do keep it up, so I can see you for transpecist abuse. Transpecies, Mewled Quentin. Yes, the mo is juste. But this is just the start. I intend to go the whole frog and transition. At this, Minervois bridled for the first time that night. A noise, not unlike a mule's bray, but sotto voce. I took this as my cue to withdraw from the field of battle and headed not to the bar, despite its sirenic lure, but to the lavatories, where I skim-read the Wikipedia page on the common toad. Armed thus, I returned to the fray. I was able to fend off most of the subsequent sallies with my cursory knowledge of toad physiology Then Minerva and I took our leave of the Waitrose walls and headed home Then Minerva and I took our leave of the Waitrose walls and headed home I was expecting a brouhaha between us But Minerva was silent, perhaps struck dumb by the erudition of my retorts In silence did she partake of the chode that night with a more thoughtful vigour than usual. The next morning at breakfast, she called me silly. A week later, I was willful. She wondered at our future if I were to persist in this toad folly. A month in and the Patefamilius was sent in to reprimand me. Two months on from that fateful Saturday admission, and now suited up, as the saying goes, and spending more and more time a squat, often sheltering for entire half-hours under an imitation boulder in the garden, she was reaching her limits. That night, she begged me to forego my nocturnal wandering and shed my skin. I relented of the former, but not the latter. Its dry-suit foundations was a rigmarole to remove, Perhaps I should have made the effort. Minevoir partook of the chow for what would be the final time. Indeed, there was a valedictory air to our love making which escaped me at the time. She had opted for the reverse cowgirl position, where she did not have to look at me, but laboured long over the act as if she knew that such tumescent miracles were unlikely to happen again in her lifetime. In the morning, she packed her bags and was off. "'What? What's your point again?' The beak had dozed off and had now been gently jostled by a courtroom flunky into wakefulness. Initially, the point I had been making by my willful self-identification was this. If left was now right, how was I even supposed to cross the road? Someone had to take a stand and speak up for the common man in the street and say, "'Enough!' That man was me, and so I had set out to declare myself a toad.' Ipso facto. It should have been tacit. Play. Proceed, Mr Gulch. The Latin interjections were unhelpful, but clearly deemed necessary for the juridical pas de deux we were presently dancing. However, Your Honour, that point has long since been surpassed. The longer I was toad Gulch instead of toby Gulch, the more at home I felt in my second skin. I never took off the suit again and over time it seemed to merge with my own, the material ribbing and bobbling with age and use as an ochreous mould slowly covered its surface. With Minervoir gone, I was left in my own predilections, a familiar enough state for me. I was a natural loner and neither wanted nor sought friendship. My mother had claimed me to be a social nihilist, not just incapable of making friends or keeping them, but incapable of finding any meaning in all such communality. As a freelance writer, I worked from home and could still communicate with clients by phone despite my changed appearance. I had ever suffered from insomnia, which I tried to self-cure via nocturnal perambulation, and I detested sunlight with a truly vampiric loathing. My days had ever been spent mostly indoors with the curtains drawn, a cause of no little consternation from Minervois. Of course, all these were toad behaviours that I had expressed a priori to my knowledge of them as such. When I finally did see them in full cognizance of what they were, I felt, well, relief. During this time, Minerva had not been idle in broadcasting the curious history she had been part of, or, as she put it, subjected to. No doubt goaded on by the rabid animosity of the waitrose wolves, she went to the press. One morning, I found myself all over the Daily Mail who did a warts-and-all spread on what they called a shocking and inhuman attempt to normalise trans-speciesism. The shouty words were capitalised. With ball-aching inevitability, the ensuing public debate brought in the cultural studies academics who sniffed a chance to make themselves relevant. Alas. They argued in their nebulous fashion that in the Anthropocene all humans were essentially trans-species, name-checking any number of new materialists Jane Bennett, object-oriented ontologists Graham Harman and soi dark ecologists Timothy Morton, en route to making their dubious case. A reductio ad absurdum, if ever there was one, Your Honour. <clears throat> assented the Beak. Meanwhile, to the cognoscenti that is the latter-day columnist or blogger, I was, by turns, transphobic, transphilic, transgressive and transcendent. I was somehow everything to everyone. Some church leaders saw in my condition something of the Christ, suffering for the sins of mankind, whilst others saw an abomination and the work of the devil, just as to one half of the assembled at Comic-Con I was the Joker and to the other half the Batman. Suddenly I was on the cover of GQ and giving scoop interviews to what I considered to be worthy intellectual adversaries, Philip Dodd on BBC Radio 3's Free Thinking. I turned down Ma for Start the Week on Radio 4, and Emily Makeless on BBC Two's Newsnight. As my star flared up in the ascendant, Minevoir came back with a vengeance, slapping the lawsuit down upon me in which I now stand before you and fight that our marriage has irretrievably broken down due to unreasonable behaviour. I ask you, Your Honour, does this look unreasonable to you? And I gestured here to myself. Have reached the verdict? We have, Your Honour. They hadn't, for there was no actual jury present. But the big roused himself for an epic summing up. I am to cast judgment on what will undoubtedly be a landmark ruling in the case law of this land, the weight of which bears heavily upon these octogenarian shoulders. I know that any decision made here today will have profound and far-reaching ramifications, stretching well beyond the confines of this courtroom. Affecting the lives of humans wishing to transverse the taxonomic limitations of the word mammal, and mayhap other organisms wishing to claim asylum under that bracket. Oh, uh, what dreams may come! Whilst I am not unsympathetic to the situation, and will be attending all legal costs in the case of Gulch versus Gulch, I find the defendant. "'Not good. eh? "'and slammed down his gavel and suddenly stood up "'and seemed to perch on his chair. "'The beak then dropped his ermine robe "'to reveal a pair of very downy wings, "'clearly homemade, for the sellotape holding them together "'sparkled under the downlighters, "'and he began hooting above the general clamour "'that erupted in the courtroom following his ruling. "'So the beak was literally a beak. "'What were the odds?' now the floodgates are open and the number of species conflicted and species curious grows daily whether ants or aardvarks weasels or worms so the world and its renaturing persists as one by one the old animals resign If you have enjoyed Modern Gothic, you might like to try some other podcasts by the same writer and producer, such as Baker Street 2033 and Dear Old Blood, Notes on a Wittgenstein Noir. You could also consider supporting the writer at buymeacoffee.com slash Fitzgerald.